0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text pod to 500, 500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text pod to 500-500.
1: Let's face it. People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night.
2: And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg.
3: Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day, Canada. The next day, Thailand. Then, New York. London. You just never know. This week, we come to you from London, and in particular, the Athenaeum Hotel... My next guest has been on our show before. Every time we come to London, we got to look him up because he is all things. You know, you're not just all things London. You're all things global.
4: I like to think all things global. You are. He's
3: the CEO of Time Out. You know how big that is: 39 million people in 87 cities in 35 countries. And he has time for us,
4: Tim Arthur. How are you? It's really lovely to see you. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, every time I look around, you have another publication. So
4: we we try. We're trying really hard. We launched 25 new cities last year. So what was the weirdest city you launched? The uh, oh, Luanda, I think. Not that it's weird. Time Out Luanda. Yeah, it's not weird. It's just unusual for us because like, Africa is an area that we've really not really explored. So we're kind of making steps all across the different parts of the world. We're just about to launch Time Out Seoul as well, which isn't well, weird, no, but really Time exciting. Time Out Soul is there's so much stuff to do there. It's, it's I odd, went, this is one of the hottest cities going. People don't get it. It actually is the place that I've been most smashed this year. Yeah. It was Time Out Seoul. I went over there to meet with the people. They took me out for a night. It pretty, pretty well. It huh? was basically like the hangover movie. Did, did
3: you get down to the food halls? Did you I, see those food halls? I did halls? the
4: food halls. We ended up in a hotel at three o'clock in the morning, overlooking on the hills, overlooking the whole of Seoul. I ended up locked in a dungeon. It was a bizarre and lovely night. And the kimchi was kimchi was for. amazing. <laughs> 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 it was all great. The most amazing about
3: Seoul is when you go to the food halls. You know, you think we're like cutting edge in New York. Do you remember last year was like the big thing was a cronut? Yeah, right. And you couldn't, and every time you went to go to a cronut store, I, I still haven't had one by the way, and I don't think I'm denying myself. Yeah, but, but every okay. you couldn't get them; they're already sold out. So I go into a food hall in Seoul, and they got the the cronut was there the next day, and you know what?
4: Sold out. Yeah, it's yeah. That, well, it's weird. That a lot of things we found recently is a lot of the Asian countries we're in with with like um, Korea, actually Beijing. We're in. We're quite big in China, but Tokyo particularly. A load of massive trends now come straight out. We often think in the West oh, yeah, you know we're creating the big cultural trends. But increasingly, what we're seeing at Time Out is that stuff comes the from way. the East. Yeah, we, We've done a massive one for us came over, which was the, do you have them in the States? They're pet cafes. So we've got the cat cafe in Hoxton where oh, you go I, I, and you stroke I, I, a cat.
3: Oh, no, I think I want to throw up.
4: It's just a weird thing. So you basically- You go and stroke a cat. There's loads of cats. So they do that in Amsterdam, but that's an entirely other symbol. It's a different thing. Yeah. So you just go in and there's, it's like a cafe full of cats and they just come and sit on oh, your lap and you stroke out. them. Count me out. You can do that, but that we we, we were then talking to Time Out Tokyo because they had first started in Tokyo. So when it was launching in London, we got hold of them and said, "Guys, we're getting one in London." They went, "It's old hat." We said, "Old hat now." No, it's, it's old. Cat. It's old. It's owl cafes in Tokyo at the moment. It's owl cafes. We can go and stroke an owl while you're eating your food.
3: I will have a, I'll start a new cafe. You know, it's called Get a Life Cafe. If you go there, you go stroke an owl. <laughs> You, are, you got a problem.
4: Yeah, I just like food.
3: I'm and happy to go and, and what's eat. What's their what's their motto? Come in it's a hoot. Could be, could be I had to do those. it. I'm sorry. I had you open the door. So So is there a Stroke Cat Cafe here in in Yeah.
4: In fact, Timeout sort of helped open it. We got offered the same thing. You really shouldn't
3: acknowledge that.
4: I know. Well, the guys who wanted to do it got in touch with us and said, we're trying to raise money. You know, like a load of things now, crowdsource for like restaurants. And they said, would we help with a crowdsource campaign? The same week, the very same week, two people came to us. One wanted to open a cat cafe and one wanted to open a dog cafe. We did blog posts on both. We raised all the money for the cat cafe in, I think, two days. The dog cafe still is not open. What is it with people and cats? I'll tell you what it is.
3: Because if you can actually go to a cafe and stroke a cat for more than two seconds with the cat actually liking you, that's an experience. Dogs are just, it's unconditional love. You don't it's have to go true. to a cafe, right. they come yeah, yeah. to you.
4: They don't care, you're right. Dogs Any, come to you. Yeah.
3: Cats are like, yeah, get away from yeah, me. Yeah, dogs
4: instantly love you, even if you're not the owner. They just, exactly. they absolutely do. And the other one that's opened up at the moment in the East End, we've got some nice, weird, quirky ones. There's a Cereal Killers, which has opened up, which is just cereal. It's every time I think, oh, like I'd go there. 150 different types of cereal from all around the world, you can go Cap'n and just try and French,
3: it. Sugar Pops. Got no, the whole
4: lot, it's fantastic. I'm there. It's really good. Hey, just remember, tricks are for kids, not for rabbits. I just yeah, that's uh, yeah, good to know. Oh my god! A yeah, cereal, I love that. Yeah, and it's uh, so London at the moment, particularly, is just full of these different influences, and just it's really entrepreneurial. Everyone's trying new stuff. Now, out. Now, my favorite restaurant things.
3: in New York, Rice to Riches. You know what that is? No, twenty different kinds of rice pudding.
4: You were just talking about rice pudding. You've got a rice pudding thing. I, where you know where the best rice pudding is in the world? My mom's house.
3: Other than your well, mom's house, you
4: can't compete with that. But other than that, no, I don't.
3: <laughs> Two places, Istanbul. Yeah, right. Next to the covered bazaar, unbelievable, and they torch the top of it like a
4: creme brulee. Ooh, it's unbelievable! Yeah, or the right.
3: other great place, but only at three o'clock in the morning, the bakeries of Alexandria in Egypt. That's what they do the, the rice pudding at three in the morning.
4: See, this is a man who's traveled the world. Do you, you mean this is not advice you can get from everyone? I've got. And, I'm that's glad you place. stopped by, then. Yeah, I yeah. am as well, exactly. and I travel a lot, so it's good time for me to all right, so pick basically, up rice
3: puddings. So what we're basically we're talking <laughs> with Tim Arthur, the CEO of Timeout. So basically, the bottom line here is, I go to the cat cafe, stroke a cat, go to your mom's house, have the rice pudding. We're done.
4: And then you're done. That's all you need. If you is England, you'll sorted.
3: Back with more with Tim and Peter Greenberg, right after this. Riding
5: along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel
1: Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go
3: Peter Greenberg here at the Athenaeum Hotel talking with with, uh, with Tim Arthur, the CEO of Time Out, worldwide, global, and intergalactic. Is that about it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, The
4: next one's the moon. We've just got a little one. we're launching there.
3: I can't find the rice pudding on the moon. I'm, it's very I'm, difficult. I know. All right, so other than the quirky <laughs> Stroke the Cat Cafe, yep. I'm still trying to recover from that. What else is actually really happening in London right now?
4: London, I mean, food, food in general in London is the big scene. So there's lots and lots of food bloggers. People are crazy for food at the moment. And there used to be this classic thing. Well, you know why? Thing, because the
3: food in London for 20 years was so was terrible. bad. terrible. I
4: know. Everyone is going mad that you can get it. So it's great. Yeah. Um, there's a brilliant... If people do come, the one I would recommend, Burner's Tavern. Burner's Tavern is incredible. It's on Burner Street, just off Oxford Street, one of the main streets right the way through the middle of town. It's the most beautiful dining room I think I've ever been in, actually, in London. Really? And last night I was eating there. I had the macaroni cheese. Now we're talking which I love and they put on it ox um, oh ox cheek they put on it this kind of braised ox cheek. it's unbelievable. it's it okay, is I'll, I'll have the macaroni and cheese hold the cheek. Really, it's you're gonna miss out. I, hey, it's yep. really good. Okay, go ahead. And they do an incredible fish and chips, which is like a sort of designer fish and chips. Okay, ex- explain uh, what a designer fish and chips is. It's Sort of like deconstructed. So, so people who know fish and chips, it, well, it's it it served in a designer newspaper or what? No, it's kind of, It's just beautifully presented. Rather than, and it's not greasy like our fish and chips, which a lot of people. Oh, they tend to be very greasy. Very greasy. This is just perfectly cooked fish, like in this incredible version of like a mousse version of mushy peas, which we have, which is just yeah. basically peas mashed. Yeah. They do this kind of mousse version of that it's just gorgeous that's one of the hottest ones the other restaurant that's really great in london at the moment is the chilton firehouse which is which opened about maybe eight months ago now i still can't get in there i literally only know that it's good because people i know who have influence have managed to get in but i hear it's <laughs> Wait, fantastic but but tim you're the ceo
3: of of, of Time Out. wouldn't they want you to come in well,
4: you know you'd think so wouldn't you yeah. i mean just in case they're listening you would think so wouldn't you <laughs> Chilton firehouse i am available most nights next week
3: Okay, but right now we we have to do the macaroni and cheese at, at Burns. Macaroni
4: and cheese at Burns is, is incredible. And
3: what's the thing other than food right now in London? Because I mean, look, you have the Stables. Obviously, you have the West yep. End. You have all the theater stuff. But but what's the biggest surprise for people coming in now? Because you don't have the Olympics right now. You're not, you know, the, yeah. the London Eye's been around. So
4: yeah. Well, I tell you what it is. A surprise is, is we've just done a massive global dating survey and t- and london is meant to be one of the greatest cities in the world for dating because of the range of things you can i do. want you to know that both of my producers right now they've suddenly paid attention to the show well and so they should because by the way in this dating survey what do you think the sexiest voices in the world, the sexiest accent in the world? And this we did 11,000 people around the world, all around the world voted sexiest accent. What, American? You're listening to it now. Well, hello, it's, it's, hello, It's hello. an English accent, apparently it's the sexiest, with Irish second and American third. The French accent, which is meant to be the I would think that would be number one. Nowhere near. But wow. apparently dating in dating in London at the moment is great because of the range of stuff you can do. There's incredible food, there is the theater. It's beautiful to walk around. The city is a great city for dating. I, I know what a great first date would be, right? Ready? Yeah, let's We're go see a cat. Well, right? don't oh, knock geez. it. It's a good. Maybe me. I'll take you to the cat cafe, no, and you I can won't. convert you. No, you have to take me under arm. Are you kidding? Look, a cute cat looking up at you.
3: Midnight and the kitties are sleeping. I'm not doing it.
4: Well, cats oh are my just God. back in town as well. Actually, interestingly. Oh, the great! There's another one. The oh, cat has just opened again oh, with Nicole Scherzing. Keep me out of that. Oh it's a great, It's a great thing. Apparently, for people who do it. Uh, markets is the other place. The other thing that's really hot at the moment is there's a resurgence in market. There's a place in London now where you can walk for, for on a Saturday you can walk for four miles across the East End and never leave a market. There's a kind of they're calling the wow. market walk. Markets have now now explode, we're talking now we're talking and it's really beautiful and you can get everything from incredible food markets to antique markets to furniture stuff and it's in right across the east end it's absolutely beautiful so, so, so you go from like, the days of
3: portobello and camden are over or what no
4: they're still actually they've had a real resurgence they're really great but like columbia flower market which is just beautiful if people haven't been there it's absolutely stunning you can walk from there right the way down into the east end right down brick lane get a load of vintage kind of stuff and you end up in the kind of food markets so it's beautiful borough market is another great market so it's just a vibrant city at the moment. There's lots of energy in the city.
3: And, you know, it's not that crowded
4: right now. No, this, no, this summer's a good year. I mean, if people want to come, but, you know, before the summer really kicks in and we get absolutely packed. Because I think the other thing is we never get that hot. So in the summer, it's a good time to visit because we get a nice weather. But, you know, it's, it's never going to roast here. So it's always nice. Actually, before that, up until kind of June, it's quite quiet in the town. You can get. It's not one of those cities that's absolutely rammed that you can't get around in. It's beautiful.
3: Now, when they do open the Stroke the Dog Cafe, yeah, you, you will let me know that.
4: Oh, yeah. you'll I mean, be the. Fi- I'll, I'll send you the first invite to that. <laughs> what would be your favorite dog, by the way? What my, kind of dog my, would you want? Oh,
3: that's easy. My favorite dog is any dog that pets people. Oh, okay. I want the dog sitting next to me and kind of going, hello. Just putting yeah. the paw up. Oh, I or, the, bring... or,
4: the, or, the, or the, it just puts the paw on you. you it's know? nice. I could just bring my dog. My okay. dog has this annoying habit of doing that all the time. <laughs> you can take my dog. It's, it's cute.
3: It's, well, on the way to macaroni and cheese yeah, and, and burners. Yeah. Yeah. But people don't bring their dogs. to This is not like France. You don't bring your dog to
4: dinner here. You don't take them to dinner, but there's an increasing amount of pubs in London who are dog-friendly because there's a big dog movement. So people do a lot of walking at the weekend with their dogs. Dogs are, you know, they're, they're difficult things in the center of town. But actually, a lot of pubs recently have been opening up with literally saying, we are dog-friendly so you can come. Which is kind of nice as well. That's great, especially down by the river. There's loads of places on the river you can walk along the Thames and have places to. I'll have give you your dog a
3: great in. example of of doing something really smart that some cities are doing now, like in Aspen, Colorado. The Humane Society there. When you come to that town, they loan you a dog for a day. Really? Yes, and you know what's going to happen? You're taking the dog home, but it's perfect. That's clever. And isn't that great? They loan you a dog for the day. They should do that in London.
4: That would be a great scheme.
3: Somebody yeah. should do that. Yeah, yeah. And then the dog takes you to that cafe that you get the stroke. Oh, no! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
4: that happens is I just lose the dog. This is the thing that happens to me. If it was anything like my own dog, it would just tear off you know, within a second.
3: Tim Arthur, the CEO of Time Out globally, intergalactically, and let's not forget Luanda. Obviously. That music means we're out of time for this hour. Stick around, folks. We have got a whole lot more coming from Peter Greenberg Worldwide when we return to the Athenaeum in London right after this. Thanks, Tim.
0: There you go. Keep that going. This is Friday, 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. My name is David, and I'm here to tell you that. Shortly after takeoff, first things first, there's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst. But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler. Alcoholic beverages will be $4. If a monster energy drink is your plan, that'll be $3. And you get the whole can. We won't take your cash. You got to pay with plastic. If You,
3: have a you know, whenever plastic, I go somewhere... There are two places I like to stop. One is the local firehouse, because those guys know everything. They've been in everybody's home, their hotel, their restaurant. They know the city well. And the second place I like to stop is if I can find an American expat who knows what they're talking about, who's actually lived there long enough to actually immerse themselves in the culture. Well, we're lucky, because we've got one right here. Amy Laughinghouse is joining us again here in London, Who has who's an American expat and travel writer, amylaughinghouse.com. Uh, you've been here, what, eight years now?
5: Eight years. What eight brought years. you here? My husband got a job transfer.
3: And so you, you dragged along.
5: I was, yeah, kicking and screaming, not at all. Yeah, pretty lucky.
3: And, I mean, the, the good news is there wasn't a language barrier.
5: Oh, well, you know, I think we, we chatted about a little bit about that before. We almost speak the same language, almost speak the same language. So, yeah, that, that was the fortunate part.
3: Okay, but here you are, basically the brave new world of, of, of the U.K. for you. What was the biggest surprise when you got here?
5: I think the biggest surprise for me was how how um, tiny everything how tiny your living space is and um, as, as we'd sort of talked about before the, the good part of that is that it just encourage you encourages you to to get out of your flat get out of your comfort zone really and go out and explore and and that's you know London is the perfect place for doing that and it's and it's a great springboard for exploring other parts of Europe too
3: I mean I've always told everybody that that life begins when you leave your comfort zone so travel, of course, is a big part of that. But for so many Americans, their idea of an adventure trip is going to an American branded hotel and ordering a cheeseburger and thinking they had an adventure when right. they're overseas. I'm assuming you went a little bit beyond that.
5: Exactly. You know, as a matter of fact, we um, when we first moved over here, a lot of people said, oh, you'll probably be living in St. John's Wood. There's a lot of Americans there. And I said, well, nothing against Americans. I, I love America. I love my fellow Americans. But I said, I didn't come all the way across the Atlantic Ocean just to hang out with with other Americans. And so what we did was we you just started, started joining clubs and groups and, and meeting people. I mean, you meet Londoners, but then because it's such a melting pot, you meet people from all over the world. And you walk. And you walk a lot of miles. I do not own a pair of shoes that have anything more than an inch heel. You have to be able to walk, my rule is, you have to be able to walk a mile in my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Or I don't leave the flat. Because yeah, you are always, whether you're walking to a tube stop or, you know, you never know when the tube will break down and then the bus will break down or the buses will be on strike. Um, But fortunately, you have a good public transportation system, so... Uh, Between a good pair of shoes and an Oyster card, you can get just about anywhere you need to go. Explain the Oyster card. Ah, well, the Oyster card. The world is your oyster when you have an Oyster card. I'm not sure if that's why they named it, but I think that would be pretty appropriate. It's fantastic. You can get them actually when you fly into any of the airports. I think they actually sell them right there. Um, It links to a credit card. And whenever you take a t- the tube or a bus, you just sort of swipe it in like you would sort of a, you know, a credit card. And it, it, it actually gives you the, the best uh, rate for your journeys.
3: Now, London to me is still for me a, a city where I love to walk. Right. Right. And Now, where, are you, where would you say is the best walking tour of London that you've done?
5: Right. Well, recently I, I just uh, did a review of several different uh, walking tours. And I have to say that actually one of my absolute favorite it is called, it's offered by Unseen Tours, and this was, in particular, was a tour of Camden, sort of Camden and Primrose Hill. Camden is really cool. It's known well, for I its go heritage. Do you, oh, the market is amazing. Camden of course. The market is amazing. You, Yeah, that's that's that in itself is a top sight.
3: Now, I have to warn people, yeah. half the stuff there is junk. The other half of the stuff is an interesting discovery.
5: <laughs> and some of it is just very interesting junk, but, you know, I've got nothing against that. I've got a lot of that in my flat.
3: Right, but... It's, but Walking around Camden is fun, although on the weekends it gets a little crowded. But it's still it's still fun. It does. It all right, does. So you talk about the tour of Camden. What, what yeah.
5: Else? So so this particular tour, it's it's offered by um, a group called Unseen Tours, and what's really interesting about them is that all of their guides are either homeless or formerly homeless, and so, so they know the streets. They know the streets, and and you're getting a tour of an area that they not only know extremely well but they also talk to you about their lives how they ended up in that situation how how they're working to get out of it and it, it is, you get so much insight on so many different levels and um, the guy that took me around, his name is Mike, and he had um, he had worked as a facilities manager in a building and then when the banking industry collapsed, he lost that job and then he had a series of health problems and so really, through no fault of his own, this is how he ended up on the streets and um, fortunately, Mike has a pretty happy ending to his story. He is now living in kind of a, a government-assisted home and what's really interesting, he showed me this building, this was part of the tour. He shares, um, it's a big, you know, purpose built sort of apartment building. And one of the other guys who lives in that flat is a former Bond villain. I'm sorry, I'm not sure which one. But so and and what's even more interesting, and this is this is, you know, London for you. On the very next block, that's apparently one of uh, Daniel Craig's homes. So you've got the Bond villain here and and, uh, Daniel Craig 007 living literally just across the street.
3: Not bad yeah but yeah. the thing about about taking a tour with someone who was formerly homeless is someone who basically understands the streets and understands value because what kind of budget did he have
5: yeah and um, it's it's a very reasonable reasonably priced tour and then uh, afterwards you know he was so generous with his time we we sort of went and you know sat and, and chatted in a pub you know I, you know all of my anecdotes end up in a pub somehow or other Peter so you know it, so you're liking London I, yes <laughs> and the beer and yeah. the whiskey the fine whiskey. All right,
3: so wait, you ended up back at his place, and?
5: Uh, so, right, and, and he just, you know, told me more about he his, his daughter and his granddaughter and the books that he's writing, but he had some amazing anecdotes, and he'll show you this on the tour, about where he once sang on stage with the Smiths there at Camden Lock, in a little club at Camden Lock. He'll show you where Amy Winehouse used to play pool. He'll show you where he went to go see some secret gig where Prince was playing to like 100 people. You know, this is the kind of insight that you get on on one of these tours, and
3: you say it's an affordable tour.
5: Yeah, I, I think it was maybe ten pounds.
3: Wow! And how long does it last?
5: Uh, about two hours.
3: And how many people were in your group?
5: Well, in this particular case, it's, it's sort of you know whoever shows up, as long as there's a. It, so it was just me that that particular uh, uh, day.
3: A walking tour for just 10 pounds?
5: Yeah, a, a personal walking tour, which is incredibly reasonable. Wow. And there's another one that I, I really like. There's a, a very hip area of, of London, East London, called Shoreditch. And there's a group called Photo Ruta, which is offering, this is fairly recent as well, they're offering tours with photographers. So they take you out on the streets, and they're going to, first of all, you know they're going to show you some of the coolest um, some of the coolest architecture, and, and in particular in Shoreditch, it's, it's all about the graffiti i mean when i talk about graffiti i don't just mean you know kilroy was here but amazing murals that are really you know condoned and so you have this sort of old warehouse district that is absolutely become a haven for street artists and you're there with a photographer that's you know teaching you sort of how to get the best angles and and uh and also the people it's such a diverse variety of people that live in shortage
3: Amy Laughinghouse, House. It's AmyLaughinghouse.com. Hey, thanks for joining us. When we come back, we're going to talk about traveling green in London and a few other places. Back with more of Peter Greenberg Worldwide from the Athenaeum when we return right after this. Hello?
0: Uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. It's a motor running
1: Head out on the highway Looking for adventure
3: com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre so check it out for yourself sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial my next guest has been a show' been on the show before she's a reporter for green Traveler. in fact it's greentraveler.co.uk. and uh, you know the word green travel, is so often misused, it's like sustainable, I don't even know what that means anymore, or ecotourism, but my next guest does. Her name is Lucy Simons, hi Lucy. Hello Peter. So, when we talk about green travel, you are my green travel go-to girl. So, what's up for 2015, especially in this part of the world?
6: Well, I think first of all, we've got to say, what is green travel? So for yeah. us, it's anything that's sustainable, which is another word you don't know. I know. So it's anything that that involves using public transport, that involves using small owners, business businesses run by individuals who are very passionate about what they do, rather than the big chains and the airlines. So we try to steer people away from flying, um, although a lot of people who look at our website do end up flying, I'm sure. But Well, that's,
3: I have to admit that's how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
6: <laughs> well, it's inevitable, I think, yeah. but a lot of people would choose not to if they could. So we give them that option. We All give right, them so, another choice. So here choice. we are.
3: Based, let's say we're based in London. We've actually, we admit that we actually flew here. We're here, now give me some ideas of what we can do.
6: Well, you can do so many things within England itself. We're enormously diverse, although a very small country compared to America, there's an awful lot to be done. And our infrastructure, the the public transport is brilliant. So in London, it's all knitted together. We've got buses, we've got trains, we've got undergrounds and trams in some places. And then actually, as you travel around the country, the same is true. So you can arrive in a train station in a major city, not just in England, but across Europe as well, and be treated like a local. You're not a tourist.
3: Well, the last time you and I did the show, we did it on the train. That's right. Right? We did it on the Eurostar and piece of cake.
6: And we were facing each other, so naturally the conversation flowed. You're not sitting looking at the back of someone's seat on an aeroplane. Possibly kicking them as they recline their seat into your well, coffee.
3: You know, I'm a big fan of the conversation, and too many people don't understand that yet. Too many people are now culturally disinclined to even have one. Yes. Um, I mean, have you seen a family at a dinner lately?
6: Oh it's terribly sad everybody's looking phones. down at their at their, yep. at their
3: phones. Yep. Nobody's talking.
6: Well actually interesting you should bring that up because something that's happened I think just recently certainly in the last couple of years is that people are staying in people's houses not not necessarily with them as their guest but in someone's home as a Well that's the whole Airbnb hotel. movement, yep. yes. But also there are these supper clubs that are popping up. Um, where you can go to a foreign city and have supper in someone's home. and uh, I like this. Yeah, and uh, also people, I mean, obviously internationally, there's a lot of dating, and Tinder, I think, is responsible for quite a lot of this. But you can go to a foreign city and go on a date or find a local person who has information for you.
3: By the way, both of my producers, just got the, you just got their attention. <laughs> oh, there. did I? Excellent, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah.
6: So cupcakes, kittens, and dating. We've hit the top three. <laughs> the holy grail.
3: But... Part of the conversation and part of the green travel aspect could also just be walking.
6: That's right. All bicycles and a lot of cities now have... The, well, in London, of
3: course, we have the Boris bikes.
6: Well, absolutely. And, and a lot of other major cities do that as well. So nearly all the major cities in England and certainly a, across Europe have not a, a avoided the bicycles. So there's certainly a lot of allowance on the streets for bicycles to be used in conjunction with cars or next to cars. But also, a lot of places have bicycles for hire. Okay, Very it's, one simple. Thing, it's
3: one thing to talk about the opportunities of, of getting on a train and then going to somebody's house for dinner, but from a resource point of view, how do you find out that information?
6: Well, uh, the internet's a wonderful thing, and we all have our smartphones. And if we're not sitting at a meal ignoring each other, looking on our smartphones, maybe we could do it after the meal's finished.
3: <laughs> when you're looking at those uh, those access points, right? Are there are there websites that you recommend?
6: Well, ours, obviously, greentraveller.co.uk. Right. Um, but I think you could go an awful lot wrong by starting with something like TripAdvisor. That that really keeps your ear to the ground. Um, I know TALUS, which is a lovely, old But I fashioned... have a problem with TripAdvisor. Oh,
3: right. My tra- my problem with TripAdvisor is they don't vet it very well.
6: Well, they don't, but I think you can... Any sentient being can sift through and see where someone's got an axe to grind. And if you read four or five reviews and three of them are fabulous and two of them are rubbish, make make a judgment. Make a judgment based on the way that they've been written.
3: Well, anytime I see words that end in ST and they're, and they're, and they're repeated five times, best, greatest, most loveliest, and then they have paradise, pamper, and luxury, get the match, get the lighter fluid, say goodbye.
6: Well, fair enough. I think fair enough. But a lot of people in England especially are suddenly looking at a huge pension revolution here as well. So that's going to change the way people travel.
3: Because they'll have the ability to.
6: Absolutely. So for the first time ever, this April, April 2015, so next month, all of a sudden, pensioners are allowed to spend their own money. And I think we're going to see an enormous number of people who've possibly been in the final pay scheme pension where they've got their final salary pension. They've also said goodbye to their children, possibly put them through university. And they've suddenly got their health, they're sprightly. And and they've got time. They've got money and they've got time. So why not get on a lovely train and do a great trail journey? We've, We've got lots of those listed on our website.
3: And let's face it, if you go to a rare bookstore in London and you go to the travel section, every book is called my walk through here my my walk here my walk through the desert my walk the tradition of walking for the Brits is, is not a new one. It's a, It goes back 100 years. Absolutely. 200 so, years. But if
6: you're not walking, you can go on a bike. And if you don't fancy a bike, you can go on a train. I think there's an awful lot out there. And I think there's a huge generation who are either going to relive the glory days of interrailing or they're going to go and do some of the trips that they've funded their kids to.
3: Interrailing.
6: Interrailing. So across Europe, you can buy a single ticket, which will allow you to travel on the train unlimited. Sometimes first class, if that's what you choose, you can upgrade to first class. But you can use a single ticket to travel across Europe, and it's what a lot of English children do before they go to university on a gap year. On
3: a gap year, can you also are the trains accessible to bring your bikes?
6: Absolutely. So frequently you need to look in advance, but but there are an awful lot of train journeys where you can just rock up with a bicycle and jump on. Right. Highly recommended. So if you haven't got good walking shoes, get yourself a nice bicycle. tell me you have
3: both. <laughs> Something tells me you, you, you have know, a bike. I
6: got a beautiful bicycle for my birthday.
3: Well you told me a story about your old bicycle.
6: Ah uh, well yes, one of my bicycles was condemned just recently as a terribly sad thing. I didn't think it could happen.
3: How does a bicycle get condemned? You
6: ride it for ten thousand miles in three years and it just gives up the ghost. And as the man in the shop said, well, it wasn't a very expensive bike to start with.
3: That wasn't very, very nice rude. to say. Very rude. But now you have a lovely bike.
6: I do. I have a lovely bike. She's called Helen.
3: Oh, you've named it? Oh, yes. And where have we taken Helen?
6: Helen's gone an awful lot of journeys around Richmond Park with the dog.
3: Okay, but that's local.
6: Yes. Any long-distance trips? No, not yet. She's she's rather a a salubrious bicycle, Helen. I have a, a more functional bicycle for long distances. And one that I can take on the train.
3: See, that's the key.
6: A foldy bike for on the train
3: because when you take a look at the at the rail networks that are available to people now, it's it's pretty staggering.
6: we're We're very good in this country. We were better, obviously, before beaching, but we are still very, very good. and you really can get almost anywhere that you need to go on a bus or a train.
3: But I'm even talking about going out of the tunnel, uh, the, the oh, Channel, and, and, and going out, You know, Belgium, Lyon, Paris. And well, then, compared
6: to mainland Europe, we're a bit we're a bit shoddy here. So yes. really, I mean, if you're impressed with England, do go to mainland Europe, and you don't need to fly. You can go on the train, and if you've got the time, why not? It's well, there's there's no real
3: really strong argument to fly to Paris for me from London. I mean, it, from just a time and efficiency point of view, it doesn't make any sense.
6: No, absolutely.
3: You know, you just go down to the you go down to the station, get on, and two and a half hours later, you're.
6: You're in Paris. Yep. I mean, and and it's a nice way to travel. The Eurostar is very, very sophisticated. They treat you well. They, the food is fantastic. Can I, can
3: I tell you my secret about the Eurostar? Go on then. When you go, there's this little lounge at the station, right? They have every magazine that you can take. But I mean, forget the newsstand. Every magazine.
6: I go there. This is the best thing. Forget the train. I'm there to read magazines. It's the best. They also have quite a lot of gin. I don't know if you've noticed that. But even at breakfast time, there's booze.
3: You got my producer's attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you, you read and get drunk, and then you don't even know when you get to Exactly,
6: Paris. you don't care anymore. But it's a, it's a fast ride, and once you get... That's th-
3: not green travel, that's gin travel.
6: <laughs> well, gin frequently comes in a green bottle, so I could argue that it was green
3: travel. Oh, you've used that line before. I, know I Do this. you know
6: what? It's a new one on me today, but there we are. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. So the bottom line is, the accessibility aspect of green travel is there now. It's not just a theory... You can actually do it.
6: But it's also more friendly, it's more accessible, it's a lovely way to spend time meeting people, potentially, if you if you can get off your phone. But also, if you're going into a major city, somewhere like Cologne, you actually land in the train in the middle of the city. You're right there in the heart of it, and that's true of most of the train stations and not so true of the airports. Total. I have
0: a feeling we're not in Kansas
5: anymore.
3: Speaking of well-located, when, at when you're at the Athenaeum, as soon as I can learn how to pronounce the hotel, the cool part about it is you're walking distance to the bar. Not just any bar, but the Athenaeum prides itself in a bar which, of course, gets my attention because if you're a single malt lover like I am, that's where you're going to find a lot of single malts in this bar. And the, my old friend Sally Bullock, who used to run this hotel, uh, would hold court there. And she could drink anybody under the table. Uh, and I was an easy mark, uh, but I learned a lot about single malts from, uh, from Sally because there are so many of them and versus the blendeds versus um, you know, what I call the sissy ones. We can discuss that. In fact, let's do that right now with the head bartender of the Athenaeum, Michael Ball. How are you, Michael?
7: I'm lovely, thank you. Pleasure well, be here.
3: you heard my introduction. Um, I'm one of those guys who, you know, I'm not a big drinker, but when I do, I, I have, I've, I've basically acquired a taste for the single malts, and the single malts being not the sissy ones. Now I, I call sissy ones like, you know, Cuddy Sark or J&B. <laughs> Those are just, you know, ah. But then you get a, a, a scotch like uh, an Ardbeg or a Lagavulin or a Laphroaig or even um, an Octomore, right?
7: Something to really knock your socks off.
3: Uh, that one really does, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, these are what we call peaty and smoky. And if anybody wants to do a, a scotch tasting, just, you know, email me, I'll come to your house. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, it's a lot of fun, and I'm sure you do it too, all the time.
7: Absolutely, yeah, we have groups in all the time. Uh, not, not always uh, people that know a lot about whiskey, so it's a great uh, introduction it's to- a, It's having, an eye-opener. It is, yeah. They get to have some of those really peaty ones or some of the like, lighter mild ones, uh, entry the, level. The, the, the sissy, ones. <laughs> sissy, <laughs> sissy ones. Sissy ones. Your words. My words, <laughs> yes. Well,
3: listen, I mean, I mean, everybody has to start somewhere. Uh, and, it, and, and the peaty ones, it's, it's really an acquired taste, isn't it? Because those are not only uh, intense to smell, when you sip them, I mean, you know it's going down, <laughs> right? You, it, you feel it.
7: It does, and it stays with you.
3: And it stays with you. Um, but tell me this about, about whiskey etiquette. Do you laugh at somebody who orders ice with it?
7: Absolutely not. Come on. The best way to have whiskey is how you enjoy it.
3: That's a, a nice you diplomatic d- answer. <laughs> but
7: you know, no, Seriously, do you laugh at somebody when they order ice? No, no. As long as they know what the ice will do. If you're adding water, especially to a single malt, you're going to keep a lot of the flavor. When you cool something down with ice, you're going to uh, reduce the flavor compounds being released in your mouth. And you're going to get a slightly less flavor. Colder and more refreshing, but you're going to get a little less flavor there. So, so as, if, if you're happy with ice, then... Well, there's a middle ground. There is a middle ground. Yeah, One cube. <laughs> one cube. Not Scotch on the Rocks.
3: On the Rock. No, on the Rock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, you heard me mention some of those brands that come from the Isle of Isla. That's I-S-L-A-Y, but pronounced Islay. Uh-huh. Uh, and there are a number of distilleries there, and I've gone to most of them, actually. Um, but is there one I'm missing? Because there's Beaumont, and there's you know, Laphroaig and Lagavulin, and there's um, Ardbeg, Ardbeg. 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 Uh, and then Octomore.
7: Uh, Octomore is one of the m- more accessible ones that I quite like. Yeah. Um, I'm not a, when I go for the PT1s, I'll go for something like Octomore. The Ardbeg is a little bit too much to me sometimes. It is. I, yeah. I stick on the, uh, the East Coast, on the space side, uh, space side and Highland, usually. Uh, wow. But yeah, those, are, I do enjoy them. Yeah, they have their place, but I kind of, I might go for the more the Sissy ones, sometimes.
3: <laughs> oh, an admission from the head bartender here. <laughs> Well, you also have to work the joint, but <laughs> is there one drink that's more popular than any other drink at the bar right now? Because a couple of years ago, I had to have a Cosmo, you know.
7: <laughs> and I mean, cocktails are very popular, but people really come to us for our whiskey. Um, and it's great, the knowledge that people come with, them, with them to the bar, and, and they, they know what they want.
3: And there's the age that matters too. There's, there's the 12, the 15, the 18, the 25,
7: and mm-hmm. you have older too. Oh, we go up to 50. 50? 50. 50, yeah. That's the Mortlock, Mortlock Fifty. And dare I ask what a, what a glass of that is? Oh, two. A guess. I think it's dead on two hundred. Two hundred pounds, pounds. A glass. A glass. Yeah, don't order the ice. Don't ask, <laughs> no, just don't don't ask. The ice.
3: unbelievable. Mm. And and uh, there's there's older too, but you just don't have
7: it, right? It's tough. Yeah, you can go pretty extreme but that doesn't always necessarily mean a a better whiskey
2: if you are sitting next to a small child or someone who is acting like a small child please do us all a favor and put on your mask first
3: Joining us now, every time I come to London, we grab her for the show. An American expat, great story to tell, and a great website, a great a a great, a great, a great blog, really. A lady in London, right?
8: Yes, that's Julie right. Julie
3: Falconer, how are
8: you? I, I'm doing well. How are you? I
3: mean, you're originally from California, but you've been here now how long?
8: I've been here over seven years now. It's been a long time.
3: A big difference from working for Goldman Sachs. In, in What, in San Francisco?
8: It was, yeah, San Francisco.
3: And now you're here.
8: I am, yeah.
3: So how is A Lady in London doing?
8: A Lady in London's doing really well. It's uh, been a great ride. It's been seven years of writing about lifestyle in London and travel all over the world. Um, I just launched an ebook called Blogging Basics to help other people who want to start blogs, so that's been really exciting.
3: But the difference between starting a blog, doing a blog, and believing in the blog is the vetting process. Everybody can have a blog.
8: That's very true. All
3: right. It doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean I believe it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to have, you have to be credible and have credible sources and and have credible content.
8: You do, it, and that's really important because if you don't have credibility, you lose the trust of your readers, and then you don't have anybody reading your blog.
3: All right. Well, in terms of your blog, you got a pretty good bucket list. I do. Like.
8: Like, um, I've been to 100 countries, which is uh, a milestone I hit in so October. Now you,
3: have you joined the Century Club yet?
8: Uh, you know, I've heard about it. I haven't joined it, but maybe I should. You should.
3: There's some guys there who claim they've been to 300 countries. I have to remind them there aren't 300 countries.
8: I was going to say, I wasn't aware
1: there were that many.
3: No, they're all... But if you go by the United Nations count of just countries that are recognized... It's, and, it's, and it changes, but it's never from like 197 to 201. But these guys get into like territories and protectorates and somebody's uncle has an island. Right. You know, and they say, oh, I've been to 300. No, you haven't. Stop.
8: <laughs> I agree. I go by the State Department's list and they have 195. See?
3: So. 195. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. So where's the next one you want to go to?
8: You know, top of my list right now is Ethiopia. I've heard so many great things about it and I'd really like to get there. Well, if
3: you're going to go to Ethiopia, fasten your seatbelt and go down the Omo River. Okay. That is class five all the way. And wow. you will be holding on for dear life. I bet. That's an amazing place.
8: Oh, that sounds and great. And their
3: airline's pretty good these days. Ethiopian Airlines is a decent airline. I've
8: there. heard that, yeah. yeah. It's part of One World's, right?
3: Well, that doesn't, mean that, that doesn't mean they're a decent airline. <laughs> <laughs> but they, are, they actually happen to be a decent airline. So, bucket list for London, though. What's your, like, must... Okay, someone's never been here before. They're here for three days. What do you tell them to do?
8: I always start with the big attractions. Just I, get them out of the way. Yes, get them out of the way. Tick them off. Um, Tower of London. Do sort of Big Ben Westminster London Eye. If you like museums, South Kensington is amazing for the Natural History Museum and the Victorian Albert Museum, the Science Museum. There's just no end of The one no you didn't mention, things. which will
3: take you seven years to get through, is the British Museum. The
8: British Museum is another favorite. Yeah, I love the British Museum. And like but you, you said, you could spend years there. You could. I you know. could absolutely spend years there. I
3: mean, I look at the British Museum as, let's take a look at everything the Brits stole from other countries. (laughs) That's that's the British Museum. What if they ripped off from other countries that they won't give back? Go see it at the British Museum.
8: That's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah.
3: We're archaeologists. Yes. load the truck, please. Please. (laughs) That's it. So, okay, so you get the big stuff out of the way. You do. But now, what's the little stuff that's important? So if you're going to go to Buckingham Palace, where do you eat near
5: there?
8: Yeah, and that's a great question. I love Belgravia for eating near Buckingham Palace. It's not the most obvious choice because it's not right next door, but it's a few streets away. And you can get amazing um, pub food at a place called the Thomas Cubitt, which is one of my favorite pubs in London. You can get the best cupcakes in London at Peggy Portion. Um, Absolutely amazing cupcakes. (laughs) (laughs) You can get great coffee there's a coffee shop called tom tom which does great coffee uh, there's really kind of everything you need
3: what's well, let's go back to the cupcakes what's great about those cupcakes
8: <laughs> you know for me they're just they're light they're fluffy they've got um, a nice balance between and by the way let the record reflect you,
3: you can't see this because it's radio that julie weighs nine pounds and we hate her <laughs> she's talking about cupcakes <laughs>
8: I, I I may weigh nine pounds, but I uh, eat my fair share of cupcakes. So trust so me we when ha- I say... We hate you even more now. <laughs> trust me when I say that they're the best in London.
3: And the pub food?
8: The pub food at the Thomas Cubitt is great. It's um, You can get all the classics, fish and chips, um, bangers and mash, which is sausages and mashed potatoes. Um, anything you want. They also do kind of more upscale dining upstairs. So that's always an option, too, if you want something a bit nicer.
3: And the biggest surprise right now in London? for you?
8: The biggest surprise? The weather. It's colder than I was hoping. I was in California last week and I came home and I thought it it has to be warm. It's February, but it's not getting any warmer. So hopefully in the next few weeks, the spring will start coming through.
3: I gotcha. The website again?
8: Aladyinlondon.com.
3: That's easy enough. And the biggest surprise restaurant for you?
8: You know, I went last week to a place that was a pop-up not long ago, but then they got a permanent location in Chelsea and it's called called Kurobuta. And it just absolutely knocked my socks off. The food was so good. It's sort of Japanese, so you can get sushi, you can get pork belly buns, really good.
2: You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. Why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It On The Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It On The Fame early and ad free right now by joining
0: Wondery Plus. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker The Hargan Family Killings, early and ad free on Wondery Plus.